I'm reading from 2 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Please join me. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by us, Lord and Saviour, through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Friends, welcome to Compassion Sunday. Uh, it'd be great to have your Bibles open as we open up 2 Peter 3. And what we're going to do, we're going to dig into why as a church we love partnering with Compassion. But more than that, as we open up 2 Peter 3, it's a challenging passage, isn't it? We're going to have our eyes lifted towards the future of Jesus' return. Because friends, when you're certain about future realities, it always impacts decisions you make in your present life. So for example, my sponsor child through Compassion Angel, he's, the future reality is he's coming up to 18 years old. Uh, and so he's going to be finishing the formal sponsorship in a few months. And so that meant today the impact it had on our present decision as a family uh, was to sponsor our new sponsor child through Compassion, Rowena, in the Philippines. So we're stoked. Um, she's three and a half years old, like my daughter. We're going to be able to uh, write to her and pray for her and partner with her financially as well. But as Peter writes his second letter to these Christians, he wants to remind them of a certain future that has massive implications, not just for them, but for us 
as well. And have a look at verses 1 and 2 as he explains why he's writing this letter. He says, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. So Peter's writing because he wants to stir us up. He wants to stimulate us to wholesome thinking. And the way he's going to stimulate that wholesome thinking in verse 2 is by reminding us of the words spoken in the past by the prophets in the Old Testament, by Jesus himself through the apostles with the scriptures of the New Testament. He wants to remind us of God's word, God's promises to us, because it's through God's word that we see who we are, who God is and what his plans and purposes are for the world. And he wants them to remember God's word because he wants them to stand firm. In verse 17, he says, I don't want you to be carried away by lawless teaching. He wants them to stand firm on the promises of God as they look to the future because there's a problem in verse 3. And the problem is that the last day scoffers are going to come. He says, above all, you must understand that in the last days, they're the, the days that we're in now, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They'll say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Now, it's an interesting word there, scoffer or scoffing. It means to mock someone or to make fun of someone or to insult someone. Peter says, as Christians, don't be surprised when people come scoffing about your faith because that is our world's attitude towards Jesus. But did you see what the scoffers are scoffing about in verse 4? They say, where is this coming that Jesus promised? Where is he? I can't see him. Didn't he promise he would return? When's it going to happen? And listen to the argument that they give for why they are scoffing at Jesus' return. They say, look, since the creation of the world, everything just goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. So they essentially use this this scientific argument and they say, look at the laws of nature. Look, the sun rose yesterday. It rose again today. It's probably going to rise again tomorrow. This world, it's got an order. And it isn't changing. Everything just keeps going on. It just keeps ticking. Look at how Peter responds to them in verse 5. He says, But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of the water and by water. By these waters, also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. Peter says these scoffers, they forget that God is the one who created this world and he did it by his powerful word. He spoke and the world was created. And the reason that the world seems to have this natural order to things is not because there's these laws of nature that came about by random chance or luck. No, the reason there is order in this universe is because behind it is a God of order who created this universe and a God who continues this order by sustaining it powerfully through his word. And friends, if God can create the world, if he can create the universe through the power of his word, if he can sustain it through the power of his word, then he also can change the course of this world through his word as well. And in fact, that is what Peter reminds them that God has already done 
when he sent the flood in the days of Noah. He said, due to the evil of humanity at that time, God spoke. He made a promise that he was going to destroy the world. And friends, it was cataclysmic. By those floodwaters, he destroyed the world, wiping all humanity and creatures from the face of the earth, except a few that he saved in the ark. And now in light of the power of God's word to act in creation, he shifts in verse 7 his attention to a future reality that stands on the promise of God, that stands on God's word from the prophets, from Jesus himself and from the apostles. He says, By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Peter says that same word, this is why we can be so sure of God's promise that Jesus is coming back. In verse 10, he describes this day as the day of the Lord. And you might remember the prophets in the Old Testament spoke of this day of the Lord, a day that would bring judgment and salvation. Jesus spoke about it. The apostles spoke about it. It was to be a day where God would bring his final judgment and salvation. And we know this side of Jesus' death and resurrection, that they, that day began at Jesus' death and resurrection. But it will culminate in a final judgment and salvation when Jesus returns. And Peter says in verse 10, as he focuses in on the judgment that's coming, that day will be like a thief in the night. A thief doesn't telecast when he's, he doesn't ring you up and say, hey, I'm going to rob you in a couple of hours. And so you don't know when a thief is going to rob you. And so it's the same with Jesus' return. We don't know when Jesus is going to return. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be another thousand years. But friends, what we do know is on that day, there will be immense destruction. It is going to be catastrophic. Peter says the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. The world will be destroyed and everyone's actions will be uncovered, whether good or evil. Now, friends, COVID has killed up to about, probably over now, 460,000 people. Uh, the, the death rate of COVID is currently 5,000 people a day. That is catastrophic. It is horrific. But friends, the day of the Lord will be far, far, far worse than that or far worse than anything we could ever imagine. Because on that day, it's not just going to be a day that destroys the universe, but that will be a day where the ungodly will face an eternity of God's wrath as they're thrown into hell. Now, a God who judges... That is hard for people to grapple with, isn't it? Particularly when you think of loved ones who don't know Jesus. But on the other hand, friends, we live in a world right now in the West where we're crying out for God's justice to be done, aren't we? People just can't see that the only way we're ultimately going to get that justice is through a God who judges. And we need to be careful as Christians never to take God's judgment or his wrath away from him. If you want to separate God's wrath from him, you end up with a God who actually doesn't care then because he's just going to let injustice go. Justice is never going to be served if there isn't a God who judges. 
And in the end, if you take God's wrath, his judgment away from him, it would be unloving because everything would be left covered up rather than things being laid bare and uncovered for everyone to see. And when you take God's wrath from him, the other thing you do is you actually lessen Jesus' love for you on the cross. Because friends, the way the day of the Lord began was when Jesus died on the cross, when he bore the wrath of God on his shoulders for the sins of the whole world. Now friends, none of us deserve the salvation that comes through Jesus' death, but God demonstrates his love for us when Jesus bore God's judgment in order to offer us eternal life and salvation when we trust in Jesus Christ. And this is why Jesus is yet to return. This is why Jesus hasn't returned yet. Peter talks about that in verses 8 and 9. Have a look at it. He says, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Peter says, don't forget, God's not being slow. A thousand years for him is like a day. So don't doubt his character. The reason Jesus hasn't returned yet is because he is being patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And this is one of those amazing verses where you really get to see in a glimpse of God's heart. See, God is just. He will punish sins. But he is slow to anger. And you see his love in this warning to come back to him, to repent and put your trust in him. It, if he didn't give you a warning, then that would be unloving. But he's giving you this warning even though he doesn't have to. He is forgiving he is abounding in love. He is compassionate. And friends, we live in this moment between Jesus' death and resurrection and his final return where Jesus has been waiting a couple of thousand years or a couple of days for him because he wants to see people saved. Today is the day of salvation. And so, for friends, for those of you who've become Christians this year, praise God that Jesus didn't return last year. And for those of you who are yet to be Christians, Jesus is coming back. It could be any moment and God, by his grace and love and mercy, is giving you the opportunity to repent and to trust in Jesus' death and resurrection for you. <laughs> for Christians... Jesus' return, it's one of those areas where we can be really thought out on it and be really orthodox in our thinking and go, yeah, we're on board. Jesus is coming back. But we don't allow the urgency and, and just the, the impact that Jesus returned, we don't allow that to come into our lives very often. And we need to be challenged by that to, to lift our eyes out of this world and to know that Jesus is coming back, that is a certain future. And Peter goes on to show us the way where to be impacted by that in verse 11 when he says, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? 
Now, he doesn't say here, live for this world. You know, this, this world's going to burn, so invest in this world. Invest in your careers, travel here, eat, drink, and be merry, as if you're only going to live once and invest in this world. No, he doesn't say that, does he? And he says, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That urgent and certain future reality of Jesus' return calls for us to live holy and godly lives. Now, friends, to live a holy life is to be distinct or set apart from this world just like God is. Three times in verses 12 to 14, Peter says, Look forward, be a people who fix your eyes on the certainty of eternity. And friends, when we do that, we will stand out from the people of this world that are only living for now, are only living for this life. Being holy is to be a people gripped by eternity so that we'll turn from sin. And all of our decisions now in the present are made as we look forward to that eternity. To live godly lives is more than just turning away from sin, but it's actually to be transformed, to be more like God, to share His heart as well. To desire justice, but also to be slow to anger and be compassionate. And just as God desires all to be saved, so should we. And so godly Part of being godly is sharing the only hope people have for this salvation in Jesus Christ, sharing the good news, proclaiming the gospel to see people saved. Now, friends, one very practical way that we can live a holy and godly life in the present with eternity in mind is by getting around compassion. This is Angel. I've been sponsoring Angel for 10 years now and he's coming up to 18 in November. And friends, it has been an absolutely, it's been an absolute privilege for me. I, I reckon I've grown heaps just by seeing this young man from El Salvador grow in his love and knowledge of Jesus. And while the formal part of this sponsorship is going to end, I'm going to keep praying for him. I'm going to keep praying that he will grow in his love and knowledge of God, that he would stand firm in God's word. And friends, the great thing about compassion is that they're an organization that they, they share God's heart for the lost. And they partner with local churches, not only to physically love kids, but they also have this eternal focus, proclaiming God's word to see kids saved. But I reckon one of the risks of going, here we go on Compassion Sunday, get around compassion, is that we can tick the box and go, yep, I'm sponsoring a kid, I'm giving him my money, there we go. Friends, living holy and godly lives is so much more than that. So Peter says in verse 14, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward, since you have that eternal focus, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. That language there of being spotless and blameless is a language of Old Testament sacrifices. And in what Peter's saying is in response to God's grace, make every effort with eternity in view to be living sacrifices for Christ. In light of Jesus' return, give your whole lives to Him. 
And so when we share his heart for the lost and we see people's greatest need is their salvation, I want to just give us three brief areas that I think we can be living sacrifices. It's pray big, give generously, and then go sacrificially. Pray big. Now is the day of salvation. Pray for the salvation of your friends. Pray for the salvation of the city. Pray for God's word to be claimed and people to be saved across the globe. And pray expectantly. God is growing his kingdom. And our prayer lives need to be marked by praying for people's salvation. And this is one of the ways we speed Jesus' return. We pray for God's will to be done and his kingdom to come. And so pray big with your prayer life. Give generously. Don't just consider giving to compassion, but do that. Give generously to the proclamation of the gospel through the local church, through missions. Give generously because of the generosity God has shown you. Go sacrificially. Sacrifice your comfort. Be prepared to be scoffed at by proclaiming Jesus and his imminent return. Go out of your comfort zone for the sake of seeing your friends saved. And more than that, some of you should go from Newcastle and Lake Mac. Give up your life here. Give up your careers here and go to the ends of the earth with the gospel. Friends, let us be a people who fix our eyes on Jesus' return and in response to that live holy and godly lives. Let me pray that that's the kind of people we would be at HPC. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so sorry that all of us have turned our backs on you, that we've all rebelled against you and that we're all deserving of your judgment. But Lord, we thank you that in your mercy, in your compassion for us, you sent Jesus into this world. And more than that, he on the cross bore the penalty for our sin as he bore your wrath for our sins so that in return we could have eternal life. Lord, help us now to stand firm on your word and to stand firm on your promise that Jesus is returning. Help us look forward to the day of the Lord, knowing that judgment and salvation will finally come and be fulfilled. But Lord, as we wait for that day, help us to live holy and godly lives, knowing that your patience means salvation. And so help us to pray big, to give generously, to get around compassion and to go sacrificially for the sake of your glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.